Hey, it's Megan. And today, listener, who we've named Carla, we discuss how major life changes can reveal what we believe about God and ourselves, specifically the life change of having a child. Because of the heavy content of this episode, we recorded it as a time out episode when our children were in bed. We will be discussing severe depression and suicide in this episode, so please be aware of the little ears listening around you. Okay. So, Carla, <laughs> foolish me. Foolish, foolish me. I saw a post. So, a lot of our, I feel like a lot of our conversations spark from Facebook. Not all, but a lot. Um, this one in particular was talking about, uh, oh, what'd they say? Make, oh, it's one of the cliche phrases that people use all the time. Um, normalize, <laughs> normalize postpartum whatever. Um, and I kind of read through it and I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be a really great podcast topic. So silly, silly me thought that we could just have a friendly conversation about normal, you know, about the existence, (laughs) the existence of postpartum depression. Um, and, um, I have a little bit of a note here to try to remind me, I probably should have just gone from memory, but, um, you know, talking about how, we've all been, we've all kind of had a different, well, no, three of you have had very similar experiences with it. And maybe that's partly why I'm, I'm having a hard time with the, the discussion that we'll get into about it. But, um, you know, some of us didn't eat, some of us couldn't sleep. Some of us took a pill to help us. Um, and, and maybe we won't credit the pill for the help. Um, but, all three, for, three of us for sure had people that we were able to talk to um, during the postpartum experience that we had. And I, I thought, oh, we can just talk about this and it'll be something that doesn't have a spiritual connection. <laughs> and that was my first mistake. That was, that was actually my second mistake. My first mistake was thinking we could have a, a normal conversation, a normal, typical conversation about it. Um, and then no, my no. second mistake was assuming that there's no spiritual connection. Your first mistake was actually <laughs> my favorite in which Marla goes, guys, I don't think that I had postpartum depression with Aiden. I just had what I like to call irrational fears. And then proceeds to say, I just wouldn't let him sit under any ceiling fans. I was always <laughs> checking on his breathing and we didn't go anywhere. And I was like, Marla, <laughs> See, I didn't realize that there was an anxiety part of it, I guess. I just thought, well, I wasn't depressed. I was just super anxious. <laughs> I was just a freak. Apparently, yeah, I was just a freak. Apparently, apparently it's the same uh, thing. It's my favorite polo I've ever received because you were so, like, nonchalant. Like, no, didn't have any symptoms at all. And then listed, like, ten of them. <laughs> In my defense, I've never actually looked up what postpartum feels like, looks like, sounds like. So I just didn't think, I didn't think, I I didn't have any similar symptoms that you guys had. And so I was like, maybe I didn't have it. Like, I I wasn't sure. I wasn't convinced that I didn't. Mandy would say that's another symptom. Mandy would have told me when I was going through mine. Mm. I, I didn't want to call it that. I wanted to call it irrational fears. I wanted to mm-hmm. call it, oh, no, I don't have postpartum anxiety or depression. I'm just not eating. And she'd be like, well, just call it what it is. Like, it's not going to make it worse if you identify 
that that's what it's called. And yeah. I didn't even realize that that in and of itself was my own anxiety. It was like, no, no, I don't have that. No, no, that would be scary. And this is not, this is totally normal. And it was like its own symptom was being afraid of it. I think some of the people that I mentioned it to said that that was normal. And then my mom has never, I'm adopted. So is my brother. So my mom's never had kids. So she's never experienced that on any in any way shape or form um so she didn't really know what to tell me um, that's interesting too because actually the idea that adopted moms can get postpartum depression is well established now because it is not like what we've been taught to believe which is oh your chemicals are out of whack that's it period full stop like because it has to do with mood and because it's very very often linked to big changes, um, then, you know, yeah, women and men who have a big change, including bringing a new baby into the family can experience it regardless of how the baby came into the family. And so like if, if they have a job change or if somebody in the family recently passed away or, you know, they've had a health scare with the baby for any reason, like all of those are warning signs like flags for people who would be even at higher risk of a perinatal mood disorder, which is the official term for it. And so, so yeah, like it's interesting because you can, you can scan the brain all you want to, and you can test the blood for hormone concentrations and you can be like, Oh, all of these people who feel sad tend to have this in common. And all these people who feel anxious tend to have that in common. But we know that it's really not that simple because even people who didn't give birth can still have all of the same, you know, symptoms as. Well, the- one thing, one thing that my mom said, she goes, I don't know, but I know I did some really stupid stuff. Like apparently <laughs> she, I was, I fell asleep. So Carla, we have kind of an old school, the neighborhood that we lived in was a little bit old school. So we had our house, then we had a garage right behind it. And it was, the house was kind of in between two alleys. And then on the other side of an alley was another garage that was a part, that was um, a part of another house that we had owned. And so my dad was working in one of those garages and I was asleep in the bassinet on the first floor. And my mom ran out to the garage and said, Hey, I'm going to go run some errands. Marla's inside sleeping. Don't like (laughs) go anywhere. And she left. I was in the house, a newborn baby, completely alone. And my dad was out in the shop, like, buildings away from me. Would never have heard me. And my mom's best friend came over, literally walked in the door. And when my mom came home, Lynn was sitting there holding me. And my mom, and I guess Lynn looked at my mom and she goes, are you stupid? What? Anybody could have just came in. Look, I'm sitting here with your baby and you would have never known if I would have just taken her. So my mom probably did have some sort of postpartum something. I mean, right? (laughs) Nobody in their right mind would do that. Postpartum baby leaving syndrome. Postpartum Postpartum bad decision making. Yeah, postpartum bad decision. I know. I wouldn't. Like, I understand why that would be like a bad decision, but at the same time, being having done this twice, like, I totally also get where she was like, I did, she didn't feel like she was leaving you alone. Like, somebody was, somebody was supposed to be in charge of you. So, yeah. like, 
yes, I would have called that like she probably thought as she was coming home, hmm, I could have done that a little better, but I don't think that she was like <laughs> you know, she literally said the the thought didn't even occur to me until I walked in the door and Lynn was sitting there holding you <laughs> with a look in her eye like she was out for blood. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's funny. But that's good to know. I didn't realize that that was even a thing. So see, I'm, I'm becoming more and more educated the more we talk about this. Well, we so after, talked about it. after we talked about it on our Marco Polo thread, um, we kind of just decided that with, with your perspective as it is now and my perspective a good seven years after my terrible experience with postpartum anxiety, um, and then, you know, Tabby and Megan kind of following after that in their own pace um, that we decided probably the best thing would be for you, Marla, to kind of ask the questions that occur to you and what mm-hmm. questions would probably be coming from Carla, who, you sure. know, maybe hasn't heard our story before and then let you kind of run the conversation. Okay. Starting now. Yeah, no. <laughs> Starting. I thought you were going to share a little bit and then I was going to ask. I mean, I have some questions. Starting after you get home from the store. We'll just wait right here. <laughs> we'll watch your babies. <laughs> oh my God. That would have probably been more safe because at least you would have known that somebody entered the home. <laughs> Dad would have had no clues out chopping wood and stuff, cleaning well, wood. I mean, if you if your first question is, what was your experience with um, postpartum anxiety, then we can go with that. But sure, um, I will say so. Does Carla know? Have we told Carla that this that just because I love you day pretty much all started from postpartum couch sitting? I don't know if we've really explained it in any sort of detail. That's not how I started, just because I love you, Dave. I think, Megan, no. is that how you started? That's it? not how I started. Well, well Wednesdays start? did. I originally started going to Mandy's house because, um, I, Carla, I've worked from home for about 10 years now. And so when my children started growing up, um, and it was very difficult to be in online meetings while I have a toddler, um, I would go to Mandy's house and she would watch however many children I had at the time. Um, well, I would attend my meet- meetings. Um, and so that started being a weekly occurrence on Fridays. So the original Just Because I Love You Day, I think, started on Fridays. Mm, and then okay. it switched to Wednesdays, and I'm not sure why. I didn't I- show up until, like, two years ago. Like, Marcy was – my postpartum depression was pretty much done by the time Just Because I Love You Day was a thing for me. M- Marcy was still kind of a baby, um, so that means Margot was too. And she, Mandy had told me that you were already coming over on Wednesdays. I was bored at home most of the time. And she was like, why don't you just come over? And then she sort of thrust a job onto me to do on Wednesdays <laughs> <laughs> since I was over. <laughs> See, I didn't even know. I thought it started more with with coming over for like you were lonely and stuff. I didn't realize that. Well, that was part of it. I was sitting at home bored and like the what I would call the depression part was over, but I still had this practically newborn, you know, she was like six months or something and was a new mom and was still trying to figure stuff out. 
And Mandy, for most of my life, has been the person that I want to talk to and ask about stuff because she's ancient and is so full of hey. wisdom. You're <laughs> the person I think who's I'm older more than ancient. I am. <laughs> I'm more ancient. Not by no, much. no, just her. <laughs> She's so, wise in her her ancientness. Yeah. So sitting on her her couch talking about stuff has been a staple of my life, even before she had a couch that was her own. So that was it was natural for me to want to go over and um, yeah. talk about things. She helped me through my first bout of anxiety when I lived in Indianapolis, um, and that was my first I don't know introduction into the idea that not everything that's happening to you physically has a physical solution. Um, I spent like a whole year sweating, <laughs> literally sweating through clothes and stuff and not having any idea what it was about. And turns out it was an anxiety attack for like a whole year. And she was telling me about how like that be. Uh-oh. Oh, am I, can you still hear me? Wow. Well, yeah. But it's garbled. Oh no. It's a bit garbled. Okay. <clears throat> Technical difficulties. Carl. Sorry. Oh. Long story short, she's the one who told me that things um, are mostly spiritual and your physical stuff is usually a manifestation of your spiritual battles. Yeah. Well, and for me, for me, the the concept of just because I love you day long before it was called that and named by, you know, Cammy and the other cousins, um, it was it was established as a good thing in my mind when I went through my postpartum issues, which was in 2013, the fall of 2013 and the beginning of 2014. Um, <clears throat> when Colin was born in September of 2013, that's when I found myself completely unable to sleep. Um, I mean, I would, even if I managed to calm my nerves and doze off for a few minutes, it, I was literally waking myself up with like muscle twitches and um, heart palpitations and, you know, the sudden urge to go to the bathroom. Um, like every 10 minutes, you know? And so I was, I was piecing together less than an hour of sleep every night for several nights in a row sometimes. Um, and so that was, you know, really traumatic for me physically, but then it also spilled into the spiritual realm. Um, when I started asking some really hard questions, like, you know, who made my body? Why is it suddenly so difficult for me to exist in my body? Um, you know, is this a spiritual thing? Is this just a matter of finding the right physical remedy to, you know, curb my symptoms? Um, just all sorts of questions like that. But, but in the meantime, the person I went to was our dad. I went over to mom and dad's house during my bout with postpartum anxiety. And um, by the time January 2014 rolled around, that's when dad asked me to be his event coordinator because um, I was spending a lot of time at their house. I had two small children and I really needed something to do, um, you know, besides panic all the time. And by the time January <laughs> rolled around, I was doing a little bit better and I had I was able to sleep at night a little bit more reliably. But it was in it was during that season that I realized that family was really important and um, that, you know, as long as I was here on this earth, by that point, I was convinced that that meant that I had a job to do. And so I started looking for ways to be with the people that I love and do work that I could um, know mattered in the big picture kind of way. Um, and so those two things together kind of 
kind of go together to form what I still think is kind of the purpose of Just Because I Love You Day, which is being with people who matter and trying to do work together that matters. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you would have, (laughs) do you think that you would have eventually pieced together what you were going through if you didn't have that couch to sit on? At your um, parents' house, if you wouldn't would, have had that, those conversations, it's like asking, "Could God have used another way to get to me?" Yeah. Um, and I think that He could have. I did actually go see a biblical counselor in Lafayette at the same time. Um, I was I was reading scripture on my own. I was reading blog posts. The reason I was able to find the biblical counselor in Lafayette is because I googled postpartum depression faith crisis and. <laughs> It turned out that the counselor worked through Faith Church in Lafayette. And so um, those keywords hit and I watched her testimony and it was really uplifting. So that was something that had really nothing to do with my parents. Um, when I got to the point of feeling suicidal and just kind of contemplating what, what it would be like to maybe potentially get out of this suffering by just ending my life, I didn't tell anybody, including my mom and dad about that. So that was something that, that I had to um, be reached by the Holy spirit through other channels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if you're asking, do you think that I could have eventually just kind of stumbled out of a depressive state or an anxious state without anything spiritual or anybody speaking spiritual truths to me? No, I think I would have gone on and on and on. And I think there are a lot of people who are trying mm-hmm. to exist in this state of constant depression and anxiety. And they're telling themselves, I just need to wait because, you know, my hormones will go back to normal eventually. But I think those are the ones who are caught in something else. That's not just um, a chemical imbalance. Like we like to believe. Yeah, I agree. I think we live in a very anxious society. I have a few friends that I know people that I know, and it's all over Facebook. I think you can almost point out, well, really any social media, you can point out the people that are highly, highly anxious um, just based on like the posts that they have and things like that. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, but g- going back to something that we had talked about in our Marco Polo, I had mentioned, I had mentioned, you know, how can you connect a spiritual, something spiritual to a broken bone because you know you trip you fall down the stairs it's slippery out you break your hip that's not in my mind that's not a spiritual thing you just what you did is you broke your bone um but i did talk about how there may be some recovery involved some like that you have to work through it spiritually where you're you know you're you're sitting you can't do anything you have to ask for help you have to give up um you know responsibilities that you have and and get over the whole I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anybody mentality that we can have sometimes. How, how can we connect it to the other side of things? So (laughs) Megan's story really lends itself well to this particular question because her issue did have, you know, strong ties to the physical. So Megan, how Mm -hmm. would that bother? (laughs) How would that actually affect a person's faith in that situation? I have two stories. Um, So my first story, Carla, I used to be a dancer, Um, a ballerina, not not a a dancer. (laughs) (laughs) 
she was swimming in money. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, so I, I had given up school. I, I went homeschooled for it in high school. Uh, I was going down to the big city every, every day, six days a week, um, about six to eight hours of training a day. Finally, finally landed um, an inn, you know, with a company and went out there. And within one week, I broke my ankle. Just I know that's not funny, but I don't know why that made me. Did you break that's it just so ironic. or did you like what? I, the heck I think happened? I came down on it wrong. Mm. Um, and it and just, I kept dancing on it because a lot of it was denial. And suddenly it, I mean, it was just swelling and it, was, it started turning black. Like a part of my ankle started turning black. And I was like, okay, this isn't a sprain. Like I can't, I can't just push through this. So it uh, turns out I had shattered um, the end of one of my bones. So that was great. That was great. And that was probably my first experience with depression. It was my first faith crisis. It was a first um, identity crisis because what I had worked for and what I had steeped my identity into was suddenly gone. The opportunity was gone. Um, it was going to take at least a year to heal and then probably another year of retraining to even get back to a level where I could audition for companies. So um, I had to make a decision whether I wanted to do that with no guarantee, no guarantee my ankle would actually ever heal correctly, no guarantee I would actually be able to retrain my body um, and get it ready for audition season, no guarantee a company would would take me. Um, so just, just a lot of risks to evaluate. And during that time, I lost a tremendous amount of weight. I remember my mom coming to pick me up and this was in Columbus, Ohio. She came to pick me up and she just started crying because I was bony and, and I was a dancer. Okay. Like I was already thin <laughs> so for her to be like, Whoa, what happened to you? Like, you know, I dropped you off a few months ago and, you know, came to pick you up and, and your skin and bones. Um, and at the time I was only 18. So I had no idea what depression was. I didn't know I was going through it. I didn't know I was going through an identity crisis because basically I had built my, my castle, my house on shifting sands. Um, I called myself a Christian. I was reading my Bible every day. Like I was going to, um, a church and a small group who were, you know, they were speaking life into me and I, I will never ever um, forget that life group. Cause they really did show me how homey a big church can actually be when you actually attend and have a family there. Um, but that's a whole nother discussion. So that was my first bout. And then what Mandy's referring to is <laughs> the my itching. daughter, my first daughter got very sick and we didn't know what was wrong with her, despite taking her to multiple specialists and getting all kinds of testing done on her little body. She was about three years old. Um, and we called them her itchies because she would just scratch and scratch and scratch. And her whole body was inflamed with these these rashes all over. And she would bleed. She would, she would scream at night from about midnight to four in the morning, um, scratching and crying. And so nobody was sleeping. And I was very, very pregnant. And then eventually I had a newborn when this was happening. So Corey, my husband, would be with her in the middle of the night, taking care of her while she screamed on the couch, making herself bleed. And I was taking care of the newborn in the bedroom. So it's just a really, really hard time. Um, and when you don't sleep, especially if you have anxiety that doesn't allow you to sleep on top of it, um, 
it's depressing. <laughs> I guess you can go three nights without sleep and you'll show clinical signs of depression um, and clinical signs of suicidal levels of depression. So that's when I, I, I don't know if I reached out to Mandy. I think my husband did actually. He was like, hey, you went something that Megan, through Megan's, you know, you know what's going on in her head. Is she ever going to be, what did he say? Is, he, is she ever going to be okay again? Or is she ever going to be? Yeah, basically, like, I just need you to tell me that she's she's going to be herself again, or she's going to, she's going to be okay again. And I think what I told him was, she's never going to be the same again. I said, one way or another, she's never going to be the same again. She's either, that doesn't mean that, that it's going to have to be this bad forever, but she's either going to, you know, fall into this even further and cycle further and further into despair, or God is going to use this to make her something new and better. And so that was kind of my opportunity to talk a little bit about, you know, what I had gone through and, and what I always say, which is, I always say that God killed me during that, during that issue in 2013 with, with insomnia and leading to, you know, suicidal ideation and, just kind of deconstructing everything I thought I knew about God. And so, yeah, that was, that was where Megan came in during her postpartum um, mood disorder and said, you know, I just, what kind of God allows this kind of stuff to happen? And I was like, Oh girl, I know <laughs> what you're asking. And I said, you know, maybe the God that you've been worshiping up to this point is not actually who God is. So that's, that is where, you know, if you have an understanding of what it means to suffer and you have an understanding of God that doesn't quite line up with reality, then going through something, even something like breaking a bone or, you know, itching (laughs) or not being able to get pregnant or getting pregnant and then ending up having a baby that has some difficulties or some abnormalities or something like whatever it is, those things, though they are physical can greatly disturb you on a faith level because now you have some very hard questions to answer about existence itself and about what your role is in the universe. And and specifically, the question I think all of us really struggle with is, who's in charge here? Who, who gets to decide um, what happens from here? Like, wh- which moves whether it's mine or God's, which who needs to make the next move. Um, so that can be really scary. And Marla, I muted you because there was an echo, but you can feel free to unmute yourself <laughs> whenever you want to say something. We've silenced. I was just over here like, <laughs> not allowed to talk anymore. No, when Megan was talking, there was an echo. So I just muted That's it. That's okay. you want to unmute is I'm cool. kind of fidgety anyways. Um, what do you say to people who, one, don't have faith. And I know that God is, God is constantly reaching out to everyone, right? It's not just believers. Um, and I, but like, you know, if I wasn't a believer and I, I said, well, I don't have a spiritual thing going on, you know, like I'm not (laughs) a Christian, you know, like yeah. what would, what do you say to somebody like, and I'm not sure if there's even somebody like that listening. I mean, maybe there is, but you know, how, number one, what do you say to them? And number two, what happens to those people who don't have yeah. John Brannion's couch and Mandy's couch and they don't have yeah. these people? I don't answer that 
don't answer that yet, Tabby, because we're at, we're at about 28 minutes, almost like with our intro and our outro, this will probably be a full episode. And I feel like that's such an excellent, like, cliffhanger. I yeah. honestly, I could go on and on and on on that exact subject. So I really feel like it would be a great opportunity to do part two. And if Carla's like on the edge of her seat, then she can literally either wait, wait for next week, or maybe we can even release them both back to back in sort of a special unprecedented, I don't know. You know, we can talk. I feel like we, we make the rules. I feel like we could, we could really fill a lot of time with just that question because it's a really good one. And I've, and I've talked to people about that before. So I do have an answer. So stay, stay tuned for part two, right? Yep. We hope you're enjoying the Just Because I Love You podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find our group discussion page on MeWe. It's called Four Sisters Birth and Motherhood Counseling. We also have a Facebook page where we post the links every week, but we don't interact on Facebook very much because Facebook is terrible. So come find the Four Sisters on MeWe and let's spur one another toward truth and holiness.